And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. So, uh, interesting headline, by the way, this morning. You know. <laughs> so, I was actually talking to my wife about this the other night. It's that, you know this, you know, the whole vaccine mandate, everything that's going on, you know, why is there such a, a problem, right? Why, why are so many people so hesitant about, you know, getting the vaccine, et cetera, that we're having to go to these links? And I just thought it was interesting because this morning there's a headline out. Even Reuters is tripping out over the 55-year delay of the release of the Pfizer Vax data. So in 55 years, if you want to find out what the actual testing analysis was for the vaccine... You'll find out in 55 years. That's when they'll actually officially release the test results. So I don't I don't know what that means, but these are why people don't trust stuff that comes out of the government. I'm just saying. Uh, 55 years, I'll be dead. I hope. <laughs> be a, I don't know. I could make it to 111. They may have to prop me up. Be like kind of a Bernie, you know, weekend at Bernie's. Be weekend at Lance's. <laughs> exactly. Just kind of propped <laughs> up in the corner. Why do you have him sitting in the chair with sunglasses on? He's just waiting on those Pfizer Vax details. <laughs> They're coming any day now. Of course, we're still waiting on the JFK assassination documents, right? There, there you go. Those got delayed till next year. They were supposed to re be released this year, the mm -hmm. CIA files. Yeah. Uh, the Biden administration pushed that off until next year. So we're still waiting on that. So in 55 years, we may be getting pushing that off as mm -hmm. well. So yeah. we'll see. This could be the next great conspiracy, right? Oh, National well. Treasure 3, the search for the facts data. <laughs> Along with an inventory of Area 51. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we already know what's at Area 51. I mean, Independence Day Chapter 2 well, told us that story, right? That's, so, that's true. Yes. Right? So we already know what's at, we already know what's at, at that. So all good stuff. Uh, a couple of things. All right. So... You know, the Santa Claus rally is coming, and I wrote an article today. It's on the website discussing the Santa Claus rally. And look, there's a, a lot of people banking on the Santa Claus rally. And look, if you take a look at investor sentiment right now, it's very high. The number of people that have been chasing options, right? So call option speculation is at an all-time high. Uh, there's a decent chunk of it is retail investors using call options to chase financial markets because honestly, they've been taught there's no risk. If I just buy something, it, it tends to go up in price and I can leverage those upside bets by buying call options. A good example, right? In order to buy 100 shares of Amazon, as an example, for most people, that's too large. That's too much money, right? I can't. I can't buy a hundred shares of Amazon because it's a you know four thousand dollars stock, whatever it's trading at. You know, putting forty grand or fifty grand, you know, into a stock is just too much money for a lot of people. But for a couple of thousand dollars, I can buy a call option on Amazon, and I get the equivalent of owning a hundred shares of Amazon. Because that's what a call option is. So and if you don't understand options, what this, and let me just give you a quick kind of primer here without going into great detail. All a call option is is a contract. And there's call options and there's put options. And there you can do a lot of things with them. But all options are, in general, are contracts to buy or sell a security at a certain price at a certain date in the future. In other words, as, a, as an example, Brent, you know, wants to buy Amazon at $4,100. I'm just throwing out numbers, okay? And I've got Amazon shares that I own at a much lower cost. And I and, and Brent's willing to pay me $10 a contract for every 100 shares I own. So he's going to pay me $10, and I'm going to get that $10 a share, and I'm going to give him the right to buy those shares from me in March of 2022 at $4,100. Now, here's the thing about this. If the shares of Amazon are above $4,100, or in this case, that's called the strike price. If they're above $4,100, Brent can call me and have, and let's say, let's say the shares go crazy. They're $4,500. Well, Brent can call me 
and have me deliver my shares of Amazon to him at 4100 So immediately he's got a huge gain on his position, and he spent $10 a contract for doing that. If the con if the if the contract doesn't get to or if the, if the shares don't get to forty one hundred dollars, then the contract expires worthless. Here's the key point: the contract expires worthless. the The ten dollars that he paid me, I keep, and I still keep my shares. So Brent loses the entirety of that investment, and that's the important thing here to understand. Options are an all or none game. It's not a partial game. Considering, and this is assuming you hold things to maturity, right? But either the contract will mature in your favor or you will lose all your money. It's an all or nothing bet. It's like playing poker. And this is why they're very speculative. You get a lot of leverage for using options contracts, but you also have the very large potential of losing all of your money. In fact, Historically speaking, you know, if you go back over time, the percentage of contracts that expire worthless are very high. Um, I've seen numbers range anywhere from 80 to 90 percent. I don't have the exact number, but they're very high. The, you know, most of the time these contracts expire worthless. And, and look, there's lots of good uses for options. We use options in our in our what we call our platinum portfolio here at our shop for higher net worth individuals. We use it for hedging. We use it for risk mitigation. We use it for income. Right? We write calls on certain positions that we're willing to sell at a higher price to collect the income. So there's some very good benefits from using options and portfolios to hedge risks, to reduce potential loss, to create income. Options can be very beneficial for that. Options can be used for speculative purposes, you know, betting on prices to go higher. And that's okay. It's just important to understand what the dynamics of the game are. Right now, there's a lot of retail traders that are trading options that really don't understand the implications of trading options and that they stand to potentially lose a lot of money if the market corrects very quickly. And it happens. Happens more than you think. <laughs> so, you know, that's, but that's, that's what I'm saying. You have a lot of, lot of speculation in the markets right now. So, expectations are by the end of this year that this market is just going to keep going up. So the, the point of the article today is simply talking about the Santa Claus rally, which is the last week of the year. The Santa Claus rally generally occurs between the day the trade, the first trading day following the Christmas holiday and the end of the year. And that's generally because mutual funds, pension funds, hedge funds, money managers, etc. are all repositioning for that end of year reporting. So right after the end of the year, all, you know, everybody has to send out their annual reports. This is what our fund did last year. Here's the positions we own. They want to make sure and have all the right positions on their portfolio, right? So they want to own the Teslas or whatever. They may not have owned it all year, but they buy it in the last 5 days of the year. So when the report goes out it says, "Hey, we own Tesla," right? Whatever it is, whatever the hot stock is. This is what we call window dressing. But because of that window dressing, you generally get this rally in the last few days of the year. Now, does it always happen? No, it doesn't always happen. 2018 is a good example. It happens often, but it doesn't always happen. So right now, the expectations are this market is just going to keep going up this week and next week and the week after and the week after that, and we're just going to be at higher highs by the end of the year. There's a few things, though, that are going to be occurring over the next two weeks that maybe could apply some pressure markets. One of the things we talked about is mutual fund distribution. So before we get to the end of the year, where mutual funds begin to window dress their portfolios, they've got to make their annual distributions. In a market where you've got very little liquidity and you've got very little volume, which is what's been going on lately, you've got, and the breadth has been extraordinarily weak in the markets, any additional selling pressure could put some downward pressure on prices in the next two weeks. So that article is on the website. I go through all of it, where the breakpoints are on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. When we come back from the break, got some uh, other stuff to get into this morning. We'll talk about the strongest consumer spending. And are we going to get another spending bill next year? Goldman Sachs thinks go. We'll talk about it when we come back from the break. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. 
you'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Small businesses are discovering that attracting and retaining top talent come down to more than just salary. In today's highly competitive job market, compensation is more than just wages. Hi, I'm Tom Allen. RIA Advisors Retirement Plan Consultant. Healthcare and retirement plans can make the difference in hiring and retaining the best employees. We can show you how to build an affordable, effective employment package that delivers true value for your workers and your business. Call me toll-free at 855-RIA-PLAN or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Bulls win in bull markets. Bears win in bear markets. Eagles soar above and take advantage of opportunity. Let us help you soar as you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. You know, if you're watching a live stream, you see a lot of hand signals in the video. <laughs> Britt and I have an entirely unspoken language after so many years of working together. <laughs> he understands that when I call him number one, it's not that I think he's number one. <laughs> it's generally telling me to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, uh, a couple of things here, uh, you know, again, as I talked about a second ago, you know, you take a look at the S&P 500. S&P 500 is up 25% this year. It's been a great year, right? Been a little sloppy lately, expecting a little bit of sloppy trading this week, not surprising again. But it's been a pretty good year. If you've owned the right stocks. Now, there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, they don't really pay attention to their money very much and you know, at the end of the year, they'll review their statement and they're going to go, I, I don't understand it. You know, the, the market's up 25% this year. My portfolio is only up, you know, seven, 8%, you know, maybe. There's going to be some people that actually wind up negative for the year because they've owned the wrong stocks or the wrong indexes. And this is going to be kind of an interesting issue particularly coming into next year. And things are going to get tougher next year. Lack of, you know, the, the global liquidity flows are going to slow down. Interest rates are going up. Monetary policy is changing. It's getting tighter. It's tighter. You know, next year is going to be a very different year for the markets. And so this, this year has been great if you've owned the right stocks. And, uh, and this really kind of today's, you know, article on the website, if you take a look at, at the market, right, the market's just been climbing this very steady trend really all year long. And it's been a very nice advance. Volatility hasn't been huge. We I mean, we've had a few, you know, 1% days, but you know, we haven't had big drawdowns of any magnitude. We had a couple of 5%ers this year, very normal. You know, earlier this year we kept talking about a 5% drawdown and you know, back in March, April, May, we we're saying, "Oh, the market's you know, should draw down. We've been a very long time without a 5% drawdown and everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever you've been saying that forever, it doesn't happen." Then boom, you have one. And the same thing this summer is like, oh, we, you know, very long advance, about a 5% drawdown. Then we had another one. So, you know, it's those things occur with regularity. We get these these moments in time, though, where we go, well, that's just, you know, this time's different. That's not going to happen for one reason or the other. And then it happens. And so when we take a look at this market, it's been great. And again, it's been a very low volatility market. It's been a very easy to make money um, just by kind of throwing money into an index. 
But one of the, the things is, like I said, is that you really have to have owned the right stocks this year. If we take a look at the top 10 market capitalization stocks in the S&P 500 index, Apple is about to cross $3 trillion in market cap. Now, market capitalization, what is that? That is simply the price of the stock times the number of shares outstanding. That's all it is. So if, I have the, if the price of my stock is $10 and I have one share, I've issued one share to the market. You know, Brent bought my one share of stock for $10. <laughs> my market cap is $10, right? So the price of Apple, the market capitalization, is the price of Apple stock times the number of stock, shares they've got outstanding. Well, they've been buying shares back like crazy. So, you know, that's been a big boom, you know, for Apple insiders. Here's, here's the interesting thing, though. Market capitalization should be a function of the value of the business, right? Take a look at Apple as an example. Since 2000, about, so just say, over the last decade, they've grown their sales, right? The revenue, what, what happens, you know, they go out and they sell an iPhone, right? They collect revenue from that. And then from that revenue, they've got to pay everything else, right? All the development costs, they've got to pay their employees, the rent. Everything, right? If you take a look at what they earned at the top line, the revenue, they've grown revenue roughly, and I'm just kind of ballparking, about 11% a year. So they've grown it. They've compounded their sales about 11% a year. The stock price is up 1,100%. You know, it's hard to justify that type of valuation for Apple. I mean, it's a great company. We own it, right? Full disclosure, we own it in our portfolios, and we continue to own it, right? But, but again, it's, it's hard to justify that type of valuation. Go through the top 10 stocks of the S&P, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Google, Amazon, Tesla. I say Google twice, yes, because there's two versions of Google. Amazon, Tesla, Facebook, NVIDIA, Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan, and United Healthcare. Those are the top 10 stocks in terms of market cap. However, what's been driving the index is not the top 10. It's actually a much smaller component of that. In fact, you know, we'll get into that in a second. But if we take a look at the top 10, those top 10 names, right? Now, remember, the S&P 500 is market cap weighted. So the larger your market capitalization is, the bigger the weighted is in the index. So it has more influence in the index. So... Quick example, um, I've got an index with five stocks, and they all move up 1%, but one of my stocks is worth half the index. So the impact of that stock is five times as large as the other four in the index. Gotcha? So that's how that works. So the S&P is market cap weighted. Well, the top 10 stocks in the index make up 33% of the entire index. So... When those top 10 stocks advance, it advances the entire index to a greater degree. And how much of a greater degree are we talking about? Well, the top 10 stocks in terms of market capitalization and their weighting in the index make up the same market capitalization weighting as the bottom 432 stocks in the index. So effectively, a dollar rise in the top 10 stocks is the same impact on the index as a dollar increase in the bottom 432 stocks in the index. So in other words, when, those, when you get down to the bottom of the index, those stocks can have tremendous runs or declines and not really impact the index that much because of what's happening in the top 10. And that's exactly what's been going on in the index this year in particular. And when we start talking about what's happening in the index and, and what's happening above and below the surface, if you take a look at the top 10 year-to-date returns 
of those top 10 stocks. Apple's up over 30% this year. Microsoft's up over 50% this year. Google is up almost 70% this year. Tesla's up over 40. Um, NVIDIA, another stock that we own in our portfolio, is up 130% this year. So those stocks, those top 10 stocks are growing faster than the entire index. So if the top 10 stocks are growing at, you know, two, you know, 30 to 40 to 50 percent faster than the index. In other words, the index is up 25 percent and these top 10 stocks are up 30, 40, 50, 60 percent or more. What's happening below the surface, right? There's got to that's you know, there's got to be a lot of anchor in that bottom 490 stocks. And that's exactly what's what's been going on. If we start taking a look below the surface and we take a look at some of the more uh, names that, you know, these retail traders have been chasing this year, the meme stocks, you know, the Tilrays, the uh, Stitch Fix, the Canopy Gross, the Lemonades, the Fuel Cell Energies, you know, those names, right? All those names we talk about with retail traders. These stocks right now are down anywhere from 82% to roughly 40% from their 52-week highs. So outside, you know, if you've owned the top 10 stocks in your portfolio, you've done okay this year, right? In fact, if your whole portfolio was just 10 stocks, you've done very well this year. You've killed the index. If you owned a bunch of these other stocks below the surface, your returns are not nearly as good. And in fact, there's a lot of damage that's being done in these smaller return companies right now because of that very impact on that weighting below the surface. And, and so this is kind of one of those anomalies, right? We, it, it, as if, if you really take a look at the market in particular, and, and you know, kind of a, a great way to look at the market, what's going on this year, is the ARK Innovation Fund. Now, this is Kathy Wood, and of course, she was hailed in 2020 Right, this is like the death nail for for portfolio manager. If a poor and, and this happened with with uh, Berkshire, uh, um, Berkowitz, the Berkowitz fund, back in two thousand, uh, Bruce Berkowitz was killing it with the Fairholme fund, and he was doing awesome. And they named him in in like nineteen ninety nine, uh, two thousand. They named him the the top portfolio manager of the decade. Right after that. His fund crashed and never recovered. In 2020, Kathy Wood was held as the greatest investor ever, right? She's the new Warren Buffett. Her fund's down about 30% this year so far <laughs> and potentially getting worse here. But the, if you take a look at the index, the S&P 500 index, those top 10 cap-weighted companies versus the ARK Innovation Fund, which owns a lot of those sub smaller companies right these new up-and-coming innovations you know innovation companies etc look there's and her thesis about the future of technology and and what's going on may be great but if you take a look at the s p being up 25 percent and her fund being down 20 to 25 percent this year that tells you a lot about what's happening below that surface that wipeout of stocks below the surface so this year is pretty much really tells the tale. If we could strip out those top 10 stocks, we wouldn't be talking about a stock market up 25% this year. We'd be talking about a stock market maybe up 5, 6, 7%. Maybe. Maybe even negative. Be right back after the break. I'm Real Science Roberts. Don't go away. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. 
Have the market's gyrations made you nervous? If so, it's because you have more risk in your portfolio than you realize. It's time to reevaluate your long-term investing strategy with RIA Advisors. Our disciplined approach can help eliminate unnecessary risk. We do that by having both a buy and sell discipline. Does your advisor do that? If you think it's time to work with an advisor who puts your interests first, it's time for real investment advice. RIA Advisors, 855-RIA-PLAN, riaadvisors.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. A passive investment portfolio requires active risk management. It's not a choice, it's necessity. Diversification doesn't protect against risk of loss. Let us actively help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Can't catch the whole show now? Listen to our podcast later at realinvestmentadvice.com. Going to test your math skills bright and early this morning. Driving into work, I'm going to give you a math question. Uh, today is my wife's 39th birthday for the 11th time. Awesome. Yeah, well, you know, everything's 39 is now the new 29. Yeah. And right. Happy birthday, dear. Love you. So do you have anything big planned? We're kind of getting to the point to where it's just like we just want to spend time together without our kids. So the Real Investment Show podcast. Same show. Your schedule at realinvestmentadvice.com. Small businesses are discovering that attracting and retaining top talent come down to more than just salary. In today's highly competitive job market, compensation is more than just wages. Hi, I'm Tom Allen, RIA Advisors Retirement Plan Consultant. Healthcare and retirement plans can make the difference in hiring and retaining the best employees. We can show you how to build an affordable, effective employment package that delivers true value for your workers and your business. Call me toll-free at 855-RIA-PLAN or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Show podcasts are now available from Stitcher Smart Radio at Stitcher.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA Advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. It's a quick and easy application. Just simply click Ask a Question at realinvestmentadvice.com or give us a call at 855-RIA-PLAN. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show YouTube page has all of our videos ready for your easy access. From three minutes on markets and money to each day's radio shows, subscribe and bookmark our YouTube channel for The Real Investment Show. Or just click on the show links at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. So just for the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the bifurcation in the market. And again, you know, there's an article on our website this morning called Wipeout Below the Surface. And it's simply talking about this issue of these top 10 stocks that are driving the market and really give you the illusion that the overall market's doing great. When in reality, there's a big chunk of the market that's not doing so great. And it's not just domestic stocks, right? It's international stocks, emerging markets, small caps, mid caps, not doing well this year, um, especially over the last few months. So again, you know, when we take a look at, and we talk about the market, the market's doing great, right? We talk about the S&P 500, we talk about the NASDAQ, and, and they are so heavily dominated by these top 10 stocks, it really creates an illusion. But that's also a risk, You know, as long as everybody keeps piling into Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Google, et cetera, it's fine. But what would change that dynamic? What could possibly change that? I mean, what happens if that changes, right? So, you know, think about it this way. If the top 10 stocks have been supporting the overall market because of their mega, their, you know, mega market cap size, what happens if they become a drag on the market? Well, first, we have to step back and we have to talk about why. Why is it that so many people are buying Apple and Microsoft and, you know, NVIDIA, Google, et cetera? The reason in this, we've talked about this numerous times on the show, is, is liquidity. They're buying it for liquidity. It's safety. It's a, it's a way to be invested in stocks safely. Now, it has nothing to do with valuation. It has nothing to do with price, momentum, really. 
if I'm a hedge fund or a portfolio manager and I've got a billion dollars I've got to put to work, and that's been the case this year, money's been flowing. You know, we've had a trillion dollars of inflows into the markets this year, um, moving into various areas of the market, but equities have had a huge amount of inflows. So all this money's coming in, not just domestically, it's coming in from everywhere in the world, right? Everybody in the world is investing their capital into the U.S. to get into the U.S. market because it's doing so well relative to the rest of the world. You know, the, you know, the, the, the market in Brazil sucks, so I'm going to put my money in the U.S. because that's where money's being made right now. So as an investor, that's what I make that option to do. Well, when that money comes in, hedge funds, VCs, private equity guys, whatever, they got to put it to work. And this is the one of the problems we've got right now is too much money chasing too few deals. And that's causing these inflated valuations on things. But when it comes to investing in the actual equity market, so you throw money into an ETF or into a, you know, a, a, you know, a, an equity-based hedge fund, whatever it is, these guys have to put this money to work. They can't sit on cash. So they've got to put it to work. So where do they put it to work? Well, they've got a choice. I can either buy, you know, some of these smaller cap names, you know, maybe these new innovation funds, kind of like the ARK Innovation Fund, right? So I've got a choice. I can be the ARK Innovation Fund or I can be the S&P. What do you want to be this year? So if I'm trying to invest safely, I want to be in the S&P, I want to get S&P-like returns, but I want to do it as safely as possible, I've got to invest in those top 10, 15 stocks because those have high liquidity. What does that mean, Lance? You keep talking about this liquidity crunch. What are you talking about? I don't know. If I want to put money to work in a stock, somebody else has to be willing to sell to me. Okay. Right. That's the, you know, this whole thesis that there's money on the sidelines, complete myth. There's no there's no money on the sidelines. You can have a quadrillion dollars of cash sitting in a bucket. And that's not cash on the sidelines. When that cash comes into the market, a quadrillion people that own Apple have to sell shares of Apple to those guys that want to buy Apple. So it's always a net zero sum game. What is the difference in that? Well, if I've got a quadrillion dollars worth of money coming into the market to all buy Apple, Apple says, okay, I'll sell you my shares, but I'm going to sell them to you at a much higher price. So the price has to go up for all those sellers to be filled at their price by these buyers. So buyers continue to pay up because sellers are going, yeah, if you want to buy my shares, it's fine, but you're going to have to buy them up here. The same thing occurs when... Those buyers want to become sellers. When sellers outnumber the buyers, all of a sudden the buyers go, yeah, I'm willing to buy your shares. But I'm going to buy them way down here. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, here's a chart of DocuSign. So DocuSign was hanging in there this year doing okay. And all of a sudden they announced bad earnings and there was a big gap in the price. And what happened was, is that all of a sudden, there were more sellers than there were buyers. And the buyer said, hey, I'll buy your shares. It'll be 40% lower, but I'll buy your shares. And so people desperate to get out of the, out of the stock because of this bad knee-jerk reaction to an earnings report, they dumped their shares 40% lower. And the buyers were there willing to buy at that level. That's a lack of liquidity. There was no buyers. There was a vacuum between where the sellers wanted to sell. I mean, everybody wanted to sell at the last price, right? But there was no buyers there. Think about an auction market, right? You, you go to Sotheby's and you want to buy a, a painting, right? And so what, how does that work, right? So the guy gets up there and he starts running off his list. He says $10, $20, $30, $40, and the price keeps going up. And that's an auction. Well, that's how the market works. The problem in this case was is that the, the auctioneer said, who wants to buy DocuSign at $230 a share? Crickets. $220, $210, 150 $140, okay, I'll buy some, right? You had to go down 40% to find a buyer. That's lack of liquidity. So how could, now, 
the reason I tell you that is, is because with these top 10 major stocks, right, the Apples, the, the, the Googles, those things, there's always a buyer for a seller right now. There's plenty of liquidity. And I can, if I've got to go dump a billion dollars worth of stock in Apple, I can do that without moving the price very much because there's a willing buyer over there willing to buy a billion dollars worth of Apple stock at the moment. But what would happen if something changes? And this is the risk to all these stocks. I've got a chart of Apple up here just as an example. And, you know, Apple's gone just straight up here recently. It's had just a fantastic run. The problem is, is that there are no buyers. Until you get back down into the 140, 150 area on the stock. Stock's currently trading around 180. So you're talking about a $40 drop in Apple pretty quickly to find buyers. Most of the buyers right now exist somewhere around 120, 130 on the stock. So there's just this huge gap between the current price of Apple and where all the buyers are sitting willing to buy it. And so at some point, if, if something comes up, right, they miss earnings, they have some type of bad announcement, there's a slowdown in the economy next year, the risk to the markets in the short term is a sharp decline in the prices of these top 10 stocks that make up 30% of the index because they're the ones that's been holding it up. You know, they're, they've been, it's, it's like this, uh, you know, it's kind of like a life vest on a drowning victim, right? The guy can't swim. He's out in the middle of the ocean. He can't swim. And if it wasn't for that life vest, he'd drown, right? And that's what's been happening with the markets. These top 10 have been supporting the entire market up to this point. So if something happens that reverses those top 10 stocks, there's your risk to the market. So people always ask me, it's like, well, Lance, you know, what could cause a bear market? That, something that changes the psychology of those top 10 stocks. Their valuations are tremendously overvalued. You know, if we take a look at some of these companies, from a fundamental valuation basis, it's hard to justify the price that you're paying for some of these companies. You know, Apple's a great company. I don't have any problem with them at all. Uh, we own them, right? We own Apple, uh, full disclosure, in our equity models, we own Apple, we own uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA. Guess what? We own the top, most of the top 10. <laughs> we own JP Morgan. Um, and the reason is, is that's because where money flows have been going. So that's where we go, right? As Wayne Grisky once said, you go to where the puck is, right? So we're, that's where we invest. That's where the puck's going right now. So that's where we need to be invested. We understand the valuation risk and we're monitoring that closely. But, you know, Apple's a great company. There's no, no problem with that at all. And assuming that they can grow their earnings at the rate they're continuing to do that, then valuations are you know, 30 times earnings. It's not huge. It's, it's, it's overvalued, but it's not tremendous. It's not, you know, 500 times earnings like a Tesla, right? But valuations matter. But, you know, the problem is, is that when you take a look at price to sales, now these are sales per share, right? And Apple has been reducing their share count over the last five years by billions of dollars in order to support valuations price to sales currently at almost eight times price to sell so what does that mean well they've got to grow sales at about 400 percent a year to justify the current price the problem is they've been growing sales at 11 percent a year so that's the risk to a lot of these companies now what causes that sea change to psychology who knows but we certainly have some of those catalysts coming up next year between Fed rate hikes, the flattening yield curve, weaker economy, et cetera. Come back from the break. We'll get into more into this with The Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid 
tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. Do you know what you don't know when hiring and retaining quality employees? Compensation is more than just wages. It's personal time off, the vacation days, healthcare benefits, a 401k. Do you know what's important to them? Hi, I'm Tom Allen, RIA Advisors Retirement Plan Consultant. Let us show you how to make the most of an affordable, effective package that will deliver true value for your business and your employees. Call me toll-free at 855-RIA-PLAN or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA Advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Manage risk and volatility rather than trying to manage gains. You don't have to be right all the time. Long-term investing success is a 70% gain. Let us help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors. 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Real Science Roberts. Um, so a couple of things to kind of wrap up this conversation. I know we've kind of got off into the, you know, kind of in the depths of, of kind of this market capitalization problem of the markets. And, you know, that's the, you know, the, the crux of a lot of the conversations that we're going to have going into to next year. Because... At the moment, there's this whole idea that the markets just can't go down, right? I mean, it's it's kind of no matter how we look at this, everything's fine and and the whole market's healthy. And that's not really that's really not what's going on with the market. The the market is not healthy. And you know, we forget that in these moments of exuberance that we've been in over the last you know, a couple of years now, that ultimately stocks cannot remain detached from the economy forever, right? There is a correlation. You know, ultimately there's the sales that a company makes. And, you know, we talk about price to sales a good bit on the show. And, you know, maybe I haven't done a good enough job of explaining why, why price to sales is, is important. And I think this is, you know, a kind of a key component of this whole thing. So, you know, if you take a look at price to sales for Apple, they're trading at eight times price to sales. You know, Google's nine. Microsoft is trading at 14 times price to sales. NVIDIA is trading at roughly uh, 14, 15 times price to sales. Tesla's at 29 times price to sales. Why does that matter, Lance? Why does it matter what price to sales is? You know, valuations don't matter anymore. I, I get it. That's what it seems like in the markets. But There's a Scott McNeely back in 2000 did an interview and he was uh, talking to the interviewer. I believe it was Bloomberg at the time. And Scott McNeely was the CEO of Sun Microsystems at the time. And stock was one of these high flying dot com stocks. And again, you know, I'll be happy when we eclipse the new, you know, peak in valuation so we can stop talking about the 1999 bubble when we talk about the new bubble. Um, but back in 1999, 2000, they asked Scott McNeely, you know, kind of what's going on with, with the stock and investors were buying Sun Microsystems, just like they're buying Apple and Microsoft and NVIDIA today. I mean, it was, back then they were, they were the, they were the company. He says he has, and he had a great quote about price of sales or revenues, however you want to classify and say sales or revenues, uh, interchangeable words. He said this, and, and at this time, the stock was only trade only trading at 10 times price to revenue, right? Not 29, not 14, not 20. 
at 10 times revenues to give you a 10-year payback on your money, I have to pay you 100% of the revenues for 10 straight years in dividends. That assumes I can get that by my shareholders. It assumes I have zero cost of goods sold, which is very hard for a computer company. That assumes zero expenses, which is really hard with 39,000 employees. That assumes I pay no taxes, which is very hard, and that assumes you pay no taxes on your dividends, which is kind of illegal. And that assumes with zero R&D for the next 10 years, I can maintain the current revenue run rate. Now, listen to that, that sentence one more time. I can maintain, not grow, just maintain the current revenue run rate. Now, having done that, would any of you like to buy my stock at $64 a share? Do you realize how ridiculous those basic assumptions are? But yet, though that ridiculousness of those assumptions is rampant in the market currently. You know, we can take a look at Microsoft, for example, right? Stock's currently trading at 14 times price to sales. Now, their sales growth over the past five years has been 13% annually. And you've got a stock that's trading at 40 times earnings right now, 14 times price to sales. At two times price to sales, you've got to pretty much double your earnings on an annual, your revenue on an annual basis just to maintain that valuation. So they've been growing their, their revenue at 13 times price to sales, how much do I have to grow it at 14 times price to sales just to maintain the current valuation? And again, this assumes that they have no outstanding, you know, cost or anything else, right? Do you realize how ridiculous those basic assumptions are? As Scott McNeely said. But, you know, Apple's is a great... Notice of this because, again, in 2017, they had about 208 billion shares outstanding. Today, they've got about 16 billion shares outstanding. I'm sorry. Uh, in 2017, they had 20 billion shares outstanding. I apologize. I misread my decimal. <laughs> Today, they have 16. So they've reduced their share count by over 4 billion shares. So if I, what would my price to sales be on a sales per share basis if I hadn't been buying shares back like crazy to help inflate those sales per share? Because remember, when I reduce my share count, it makes my sales per share look better. So if I stick 4 billion shares back onto the ledger and say, what, what is my valuation now? Apple is grossly overvalued. Because when we talk about price to sales, we're talking about sales per share, right? So do kind of back in the math. Sales for the past five years have been 11%, 13% for Microsoft. Now that's pretty impressive growth for a company the size of Apple or Microsoft, but it certainly doesn't justify the valuation level that we're currently assigning these stocks. And everybody knows this, by the way, right? Everybody in the market knows that Apple, Microsoft, these are fully mature companies. They can't grow fast enough anymore to justify the valuations that we're assigning to these stocks. But we're hiding in those stocks. I am too. Again, full disclosure, we own these stocks. Why? I know they're overvalued, but the prices are going up. Right now, all I'm doing in our portfolios is chasing momentum because why? I have to. If I don't, I suffer from career risk and I lose clients. And look, I run a business. So I've got to compete with everybody else. I could certainly be, you know, an extremely logical investor and I wouldn't be invested at all right now, but I wouldn't have any clients either. So... You know, that's why we run very strict sales, you know, you know, a very strict investment discipline in our portfolios. We have a, a regular profit-taking process. We've got stops that we run on all of our positions. We hedge on a regular basis. 
We do all those things to control our risk, but because we realize there's risk. You know, it's it's you know, this is always kind of the interesting thing with investors. Look, you go out on a boat, you wear a life vest, right? Why? Because you might fall overboard, right? The risk is you might fall overboard on the boat and you might drown. Or, you know, you might fall overboard on the boat, the boat leaves you and you're hanging out there in the water. You, you know, you're gonna drown without a life vest eventually. So that's why you wear a life vest, right? Why do you carry an umbrella? Because it might rain. But when it comes to investment portfolios, people go, risk, whatever. <laughs> you know, Warren Buffett once said that investing in the stock market's a lot like sex. It feels at the best at the very end. You know, the other side of that is doing it unprotected has unprotected surprises, right? <laughs> That's what happens in the stock market. You know, if you invest in a highly overvalued, highly greedy market that we're in now. It's going to feel great all the way to the very end. And if you do it unprotected, if you don't have any hedge, you know, structures, you don't manage your risk, etc. You know, if you don't use protection, you're going to wind up with a very unpleasant surprise. That's the problem that the majority of investors are facing today is they don't realize because all they do is they look at the S&P, right? Let's go back to our original conversation now. All they do is look at the S&P and they go, oh, the S&P is up 25% this year. It's great. And they're not looking at their portfolio. All they do is look at the index and they go, oh, index is up. So my portfolio must be doing fine. At the end of the year, they'll get their statements and they'll look at those statements and go, what, what, what happened? Why? What happened? And it's because of this bifurcation that we have going on in the markets right now. And again, it's fine. This is what markets do. We saw the same type of concentration in markets back in 1999. It's just this is what markets do. And we're in that melt-up phase of the markets where the concentration risk is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Or I should say concentration risk is getting larger, but the, the number of stocks are getting smaller that where money's hiding. And what causes that to change? I don't know. Nobody does. But some event will happen. Something will happen that will, overnight, that will seem like, changes investor psychology from bullish to bearish. And that's when you have that break in the market. Now, again, it really won't be overnight. It'll be a buildup of events. It'll be the Fed hiking rates. It'll be the taper of the balance sheet. It'll be the flattening of the yield curve. Those are the things that will lead us to that point. And it will seem like just overnight there was a change of attitude. But it won't be. You're seeing it now. Underneath the surface. Go by our website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get our latest article on this issue on the website now. It's called Wipeout. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to give us a call uh, or send us an email. Always happy to help you out. Uh, if you send your email questions, I answer them there every single day. Just simply go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. Also get signed up for our latest events, newsletter, daily commentary. There's so much there stuff for you. Realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com.